0: what well, the health tech listeners i'm your host this week justine Abson. this is the podcast where we tackle some of the trending topics ideas and best practice in health and social care this week we're back with jasmine rye associate director at rch care homes um, I think we've, we've sort of covered some of the key changes um, since the report was, was published and presented um, and you, you've sort of mentioned a couple of times about, you know, there's, there's so many different things that people can, can implement that, that could drive change um, and, and one of the things is, you know, through sort of low-cost, high-impact kind of recommendations. Um, have you got any examples or is there anything that, that our listeners might find kind of useful around that without kind of, if they haven't seen the report yet?
1: Yeah, hundred um, percent. There's quite a few. So, uh, if I take public image for example, we one of the things that we you know that we struggle with is the fact that the there's a there's not a parity in how healthcare and social care is viewed. And if you think about how the media talk about the health and social care secretary, it's often they are often referred to as the health secretary, whether that's in their news. Papers, whether that's on Twitter, whether that's online, it's easy to say the health secretary. But if the media don't even say something as basic as the full title, which represents a full two sectors. Bear in mind that social care is actually a bigger sector than healthcare. So we employ more people, we support more people, and we should have equal parity. Um, so one of the suggestions that was created, it was one of the campaigns that was created last year, was a um, and campaign. So, if anyone online sees that the Health and Social Care Secretary is only referred to as the Health Secretary, they can just comment and say "and Social Care." So that's a quick one. But um, from a organisational perspective, from a, like an individual care provider perspective, there's also various others. So one of the things that we found was that um, so buddies, when you are trying to create, so from a recruitment and retention perspective, they're obviously tied together quite. Closely, you, you can't really have one without the other. And the a lot of people who responded in the consultation, they said one of the quick fixes that they found when they're trying to improve retention, especially in that first ninety day period, which is such a critical period, is just making sure that you have a mentor and buddy who is assigned to your new employee, either on the day or before they actually start, so they get can ask someone all of the questions that they might not feel comfortable asking. Their line manager. Um, there's, to there's so many others.
0: Um, <laughs> we can we can send people to. to we'll um, we'll put a link in for the report when we when we yeah. when we put the podcast out live because um, I definitely think yeah. it's something that that everybody should should go and have a read of if if yeah. they haven't already. And, and
1: I think another one, in, and I'll focus on recruitment and retention at that same time. Is about improving equality, diversity, and inclusivity. Is Make sure you're using your team's experiences and your team's stories, your team's photos. Don't use stock images, number one. But also, (laughs) ask your team why they work in social care, why they work for your company. And some of the answers you get are really, really lovely. Uh, I mean, one of my favorite things about this, is from an RCH perspective rather than a people plan perspective, is when we do our staff surveys every year, we ask them, what's your favorite thing about working in social care and or RCH and the the comments that you get back are so heartwarming and they're so lovely and it's all about how much they love working with their teams or how much they love making a resident smile and how it makes the day to make someone laugh. Social care is very much a people sector, it's all about the relationships and I think that shines through
0: I absolutely love those people stories I think that is something that is since we started doing the podcast in particular has come out so much that so at the end of the po- every podcast we ask what the health tech moment is um, and we'll we'll obviously come on to yours a, a little bit later but um, honestly some of the moments that our guests have actually talked about I mean, they've had like hosts welling up. They've, some of them have been really emotional. Some of them have been really funny. Yeah. Some of them have been just odd stories and things like that. But honestly, they're all such lovely, lovely stories. Um, you know, I know yeah. there's a couple from our very, very beginning episodes we had um, Big Ian on. Um, we did a couple of episodes with him talking about dementia and kindness and really lovely episodes. Um, but his what the health tech moments at the end were just so heartwarming especially as one around um dementia so yeah for anyone that hasn't hasn't had a listen to that i think it was episode two or three um but yeah and and you know i think the more we've done this and and heard all those people's stories it's just they're just heartwarming aren't they
1: they are they're amazing
0: so jasmine we've just been talking about about people's stories and you know kind of communicating and, and things like that and how how heartwarming that sort of side of things can be um I think that you know we mentioned earlier on in the in the podcast about best practice and and part of this people plan is that people can share that sort of stuff with forums um, I know um there's a series of roundtables tables and, and things like that so can you just tell us a little bit more about that and how how that's helped with the the best practice side yeah hundred
1: percent. so after we launched the people plan at the um, house of in march what we did was we ran six round tables uh, over the course between march to august so the first one was just giving like an overall introduction into what the people plan was uh, and kind of covers like a, on a high level all the five topics and then the five round tables after that were focused one per month per topic so one about image one about recruitment one about retention and well-being one about paying conditions and one about training and then what we also have is a voices of care forum which is happening on the 8th of september so if anyone wants to come and join that we definitely wouldn't have many people involved in that Um, and the way that we did it is that so we had panelists that we asked to talk about the respective topics but we also encouraged within the actual chat function because these were online roundtables is for everyone who is attending to share their ideas and suggestions and we were tracking everything we're going to then include that in year's report which will, which will be published in November 2022 um, and there were just so many great ideas and it, it just really goes to show that best practice doesn't need to necessarily need to be shared by I quote, like the biggest voices in the sector it is anyone and everyone they know of something that has worked out uh, or that they would like to try and see if it can work but they just need additional resources we wanted to Ask for as many of those suggestions and ideas as possible. We wanted as many people to get involved as possible. And honestly, those chat groups, so as in the chat functions within the roundtables, have been so great. They've been so, uh, I don't know busy is the right word, <laughs> <laughs> they, they've been so active that for the the, the rest of the group who are sitting there tracking and not contributing to the roundtables. We're just trying to track everything as quickly as possible, get as many ideas down as possible. Um, and it's been really, really lovely to see. And what we've really liked about our roundtables is that we have made a conscious effort that for everyone, we've tried to include someone who is an expert by experience, so i.e., not just someone who works in social care, but someone who is either using care or is an advocate for someone who uses care. Um, because if we don't include those voices and those experiences, then we are granting this out a lot, and the, there was such great points that were raised by people who were talking about how they are advocating for their daughter who is living in a care home for uh, people who've got learning disabilities, so she's younger, than someone who's advocating for themselves, someone who is talking about their experiences of how they joined the sector. We, it it was really lovely to see just like how everyone bounced off each other and all of the great ideas that were generated and it was really lovely to see the conversation that was being sparked the the, the panelists talking was then being transferred through to chat functions as well so the voices of care one is not a round table it is just a forum which is, again it's going to be online um so the the details will be on the IHM website So the IHM.org.uk, slash people plan. (laughs) I'll send you the links after. Um, And again, it's just trying to get as many people involved, bring your ideas, bring your suggestions, bring your experiences. And one of the things we've also tried to concentrate, not concentrate, but to ask the question is, if you've seen something that works outside of social care, but you feel it could work in social care, let us know about that as well, because we're just going to pull everything together and then we'll publish again in November.
0: Again, and, you know, different things do work for different different organisations, different sizes, different kind of types of social care. Um, and I know, you know, as an Associate Director of, of RCH Care Homes, you know, what does the plan mean for you and, and kind of your care facilities? Because I imagine it kind of impacts that.
1: Yeah, it's a bit of a two-way process. So what I learned from the People Plan I take to RCH, what I take from RCH, I take to the People Plan, and it's a it's very much a, a two-way process. Um, what we what we at RCH have tried to do is we've tried to implement some of the recommendations. Some of them are still in early stage planning, so they haven't actually been launched out to the wider teams yet. Um, some of them have been and we've tried to do is not only take the suggestions from the people plan but then like put them forward to our teams and ask them for their feedback and see how can we create a co-produced strategy whether that's to do with recruitment retention some other area um i say recruitment and retention are probably the, the areas that we focused on the most where well, we've tried well we've looked at you know best practice that's happening in the sector or outside the sector and then it into RCH. one of my favorite things within that is look, where I mentioned earlier about using your own team stories and experiences we've created a video series um, from, from a recruitment perspective and it is entirely our team stories and experiences and my favorite thing about it is that we didn't tell anyone what the questions were going to be so they would literally put it in front of the camera and just asked to speak from the heart and they did and everything they said was just so lovely and heartwarming and, and that's great from a from like their experiences perspective, but then from an organisational perspective, we also really wanted to make sure that we focused on that EDI element. So for example, one of our services isn't a care home. Well, the vast majority of them are and they focus on residents who are, sorry, we specialise in residents with dementia. Um, one of our services is actually for people who are of working age, young adults mostly with learning disabilities. And so when we created our videos we had one video which was just about them and how actually like we said social care has this misconception about how it's only for elderly but in reality it's for so many more people
0: yeah, the, uh, so yeah to
1: try to kind of feed it all through
0: i love that idea i think it's you know again for people coming into the sector as well to kind of see people's experiences and you know it goes back to to what we were chatting about earlier you you know the the wide stream mainstream media is is always negative stories you know regardless of whether it's social care or not it's you know across the world um but yeah it's always the negative side so actually for people to hear the positive side as well um about working in yeah. social care is is so important and um, so yeah I, I really yeah. love that idea and that sounds like a, a great change that that you could you've been able to implement um yeah with, oh sorry go on <laughs>
1: I was going to say, that we've also taken uh, some of the misconceptions that were talked about within the people plans in the public image side, and then asked our teams, you know, like, what myths and misconceptions did you think about social care before you ever worked in social care, and what do you wish more people knew about so the realities of working in social care? And so, all of those answers were what helped us build our careers website, our revised recruitment processes from an internal and external perspective. Um, but we really wanted to highlight that social care is for anyone who cares and so we for example we've got one video which is just talking about well it's just our teams talking about how they've transferred from other sectors into social care and the transferable skills that they've brought over and why they move from for example catering or hospitality or teaching to social care Um, and then there's one as well which talks about how social care isn't just women's work uh, again another misconception that the only people who work in social care are women but in reality both men and women do and um, we wanted to highlight that from our team's perspective.
0: Yeah which is great and you know I think it's going back to the the people plan um, so what would be your one piece of advice for a care home looking to make um, a positive change in terms of their people plan?
1: From, a, from an internal perspective I would say Focus on your team. So whether that's your culture, your values, your internal processes, ask your teams what's working, what's not working, what would they like to improve and then focus on that. Every organization is different every, and that's what makes them so special. They all have their unique characteristics, their unique personalities and focus on what works best for you. Don't try and copy someone else just because your competitor's doing it. Do it because it aligns with who you are as an organisation, who your team is, and what your team
0: wants to showcase to the wider world. Great piece of advice. I, I love that. I think that's the same, you know, no matter where you are in the in the world and things like that, you can, I think people do look at other things and go, Oh, I should be doing that. Or, you know, why aren't we doing that? But actually you have to look at where you are at that point and, and concentrate on yourself. So I think that's a, a really lovely piece of advice. Um, so what's next for the, the people plan in, in social care? I know we've mentioned briefly that the 2022 versions sort of ongoing yeah. and things like that. So yeah, what's the what's the next stages?
1: So last year we did a three-month consultation and it was a uh, a mad stash in the sense of, <laughs> like I said, a lot of staying up until midnight or 2am. And so this year we're like, right, we're going to be a bit more systematic about it. So this year it's been a six-month I've mentioned the roundtables already, and so that, that was where we were encouraging people to provide suggestions and recommendations for the five topics from last year's report. Um, but this year's consultation course includes an additional five topics, so that is greener care, EDI, access to care, mental health of, uh, sorry, mental health and well-being of people who draw on care, and then regulations and policies. So just to expand on that in a little bit more detail, last year we One of the things that we wanted to do was to make sure that we include an EDI recommendation in each of the five sections and then based on the feedback that we got we realized actually we need to make this an entire section of its own if we are trying to improve quality diversity and inclusivity that can be from a oh that can be from any perspective but what we do need to do is make sure that there is a concentrated focus on just that and some of the, the solutions to that are you know they can be very simple so for example one way to help reduce the gender pay gap is to not ask at interview stage or at the, in the recruitment process how much you were earning prior to your, sorry, in your previous job or in your current job. Instead, you need to be asking what's your market average or what, your, what can you as an organisation afford, and then focus it on that perspective rather than what people were hysterically on, because as we know, gender pay gaps do exist. And if someone was on a lower salary than one of their Malcolm um, colleagues prior, by asking them what they're on before, you might end up then offering them something lower versus, and, and it's complete subconsciously. Like people don't do it consciously, but it's, it's a quick fix. It's a cost effective fix. Just don't ask one particular question in your recruitment process. Um, sorry, I've gone off in a bit of a <laughs> <but the, laughs> So in t- last year when we focused on retention and wellbeing, the focus was more on the people who work in social care. This year we wanted to make sure there was an element, or sorry, there was a section which was just about the mental health and well-being of people who were drawing on care themselves and to make sure that the, the changes that are going forward include their mental health and well-being and you know are as positive as possible. The access to care, it's about well, you know, the difficulties or the ease in which someone is able to access care. I think a lot of people. They, they don't start using care or drawing on care until they're at a point where they need it. And so what can be done to, to make that process as smooth as possible? Um, regulations and policies, there were so many regulations uh, and updates in the last couple of years. And some of the feedback that we've had is that there's been a very mixed approach between what was being put out at a national level, what was being put out at a local authority level, and so what can be done to make it a more streamlined process. And then greener care is the fact that the NHS has said that they want to be the first healthcare system in the world to get to net zero. So that they're very ambitious with that. They've stated their goal. They know what their ambition is and what they're trying to achieve. They've had a net zero plan for the last 10 years. Social care hasn't had anything. We know that climate crisis is... We know that it's something that's going to affect everyone, whether you are working in care, drawing in care, whoever you are, it's going to affect you. And I don't think many people realise is that actually social care and the healthcare care combined, make up 5% of the UK's emissions. And so one of the things that we want to do is to try and, like we said with last year and with this year, the, the recommendations that individual organisations can take, as well as systematic change that requires you know, government support, Let's put it all together. If no one Last year, we didn't have a people plan. This year, we don't have a green care plan. So why not create our own? Yeah,
0: just or if not, create our own.
1: if not create our own, why not start the, 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 the building blocks? Because we have had conversations where people have spoken about how they want to become more environmentally friendly. They want to make their organization more green, but they just don't know where to start. And that's often issue if you don't know where to start you can't take that next step forward hopefully this will give them the building blocks and hopefully inspire new ideas and innovations
0: yeah i I absolutely hope so and I think like you said a lot of people just they just don't know where to start so actually having something that you know we we mentioned earlier baby steps it's you know it's it's just making those little little bits of a start and and then go from there um so where can where can people find the report if if people haven't haven't read it yet if people haven't heard about it if you know if, if they want to go and find that where can they find the the 2021 report and is there any way that they can get involved in the 2022 one
1: 100 so they can find everything both 2021 and 2022 at www.ihm.org.uk forward slash people plan. Within that we have got the 2021 reports, the summary, the easy read version and the full report. We've got the 2022 survey, both like I mentioned earlier, the, the full survey and the easy read version. We have got different um, Mediums for that for them to be able to get involved in the consultation. So if you want to drop us a voice note, if you want to send us a message on social media, if you want to get involved in the snapshot surveys that we do, because it's not as well as the the wider survey, we also have snapshot surveys that we run, depending on the um, sorry, we have snapshot snapshot surveys that we have run at different stages over the year about the current issues that are, are being. That needs to be addressed. So, for example, last year we had ones which were about the impact of COVID nineteen and the vaccines, um, the burnout rate in managers, and people who are leaving the sector, you know, faster than they've ever left before. And this year we've got various other snapshot surveys running. We'll have them running in the final two weeks. So the consultation ends on the fifteenth of September. Um, you can do the survey. Like I said, you can, do, you can use any of the other mediums. To use whatever's easiest for you, really.
0: Fantastic um so um you know I've got no more four question, formal questions to uh, to go through in terms of the people plan but we mentioned earlier about the the what the health tech moments and and how we've we've had some amazing ones of those um so you yeah. know it's all about you know the bit of fun weird and wonderful stories heartwarming stories so what's your um what's your what the health tech moment?
1: I've got so many it's so hard (laughs) to narrow them down so from uh which ones are like have impacted me the most I think this one's going to sound quite so I've got a few so there's one where um it's going to sound quite silly but I was watching a Grey's Anatomy episode about I don't know three four years ago and it was an episode where I found out that women have different symptoms when they're having a heart attack versus men do and at at the time I was just like, oh no this is just nonsense but I like to research random things. So I went down a research rabbit hole and found out, actually, no, this is a thing where women's fatality rates in heart attacks is higher than of those of men, and it's higher than of other conditions, for example, breast cancer, despite there being fewer women who have heart attacks, because the symptoms are different. So the first couple of ones that they might have often end up going undiagnosed, and then by the time they end up having, you know, a second, third, fourth one, their heart has been damaged so much it ends up being fatal. Whereas men's symptoms are the ones that we're always talking about. We talk about the shortness of breath, the stabbing pains, shooting pains in the arm. Whereas women's ones can include that, but it's also things like um, pain in the abdomen, nausea, dizziness, uh, pain in the jaw, like the jaw neck area. And I was like, okay, wow, well, this is in insane like how we never talked about this and from there i just ended down this huge rabbit hole of all of the inequalities and inequities that happen in women's health and there's obviously some that i was already aware of but to realize just how much is either not studied there's not enough research done about it there's not enough funding being given to solutions It, it just made me want to try and do something about it. So that's where my passion for femtech and health came from. Um, the other one is when I was researching about how we can provide men- better mental health support to our teams at RCH, one of the things that I found out is that the the, the treatment and the diagnosis and the research that we're often taught about is often based on Western studies or uh, Clinical groups, I guess, um, and so something like depression can show up very different in communities of colour uh, versus those their Western counterparts. So, you know, we're taught that depression one of the symptoms of depression can be things like apathy, fatigue. Whereas in South Asian communities, it can often show up as digestive issues or something like so you know, my heart hurts, my head hurts. And it's about making sure that when we do provide support to our teams, we provide that cultural nuance support as best as possible. So those were the, the like the kind of the two big ones. Um, and then from a, like an individual perspective, I think one of my favourite ones is this actually happened before I joined RCH. But I heard about it from the teens. And we do work, some of our homes, they work with the, the local nurseries and they've got intergenerational programmes that they're working on. We had one where a, a the nursery children had been coming to the Back care home for you know probably about twelve months or so, and we had a resident who was living with dementia, and unfortunately she would lost a lot of her pretty much her entire two t- of her speech capabilities. Um, and then one day she just turned around and needed a baby, and everyone just burst into tears because they were like, she hasn't said a single word in the you know eight ten months that she's been with us, and now suddenly something has, I don't want to say clicked, it's not the right word, but something connected. Mm. And after that, she she did start speaking a little bit more. Like there were certain words that she was able to vocalise more. And it, I don't know how to describe it other than it was just, it was a really lovely moment. And even though I didn't witness it, it's always one that's stuck in my brain. I think one of the things that people forget about with care providers is that there's so many roles in a care not just a care home, but like in any care provider. And so even if you're not on the front lines, you still care. You still, whether you're working in the marketing function, the finance functions, the you know, senior team, wherever it is, so, so many people move and work in social care because they care about the people that they're going to be supporting and whether that's supporting them from a frontline perspective or not these stories all still make us
0: smile and get us emotional absolutely um and you know even even working for you know i'm not in a care home or or hospital or something like that it's you know we work obviously with with a lot of health and social care organizations and even just listening to our customers tell us stories and and that side of things it's it's just amazing um and it goes back to that that passion side that that i think we talked about earlier in the in the podcast and and making a difference basically which is is just amazing yeah.
1: exactly and you know like when i talk about the people plan and about how we want as many voices as possible it's not just people who work in a frontline role or people who are receiving care themselves it is anyone and everyone in the sector there's so many stakeholders i mean there's so many people who've created products or services because loved one experienced something and they wanted to either amplify that or they wanted to change that for like for a wider community and so i think that's kind of the the best part to social care that it's really it is really a community
0: yeah definitely thanks again for joining us this week Jazz Meet, and thank you to everybody for listening join us next thursday for another new episode of what the health tech don't forget to rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts And if you have any questions for us or our guests, please email whatthehealthtech at radarhealthcare.com.